Hi there, I'm Bev, and I'll be the host of People at Work today. People at Work is a podcast created by Jossel, where we are building an employee intranet that is helping connect everyone to everything that matters to them during their workday. And at the same time, it's of interest to us what's actually happening in the world of work. So we created this podcast to have conversations with interesting individuals around the world who are tackling the problem of uh, creating an amazing workday for employees. And that extends to anything from workplace culture to leadership to teamwork and of course most recently how we actually work together in a remote work context. So I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Nicole Cheerska to the show today. Nicole is passionate about helping overlooked women in STEM become influential so they can confidently unlock new opportunities for themselves and make a bigger impact. As a scientist and positive psychology coach, Nicole helps her clients strategically turn their career frustrations into renewed love for their work. And Nicole and I are going to be talking about how to communicate to get your ideas heard and gain traction, which as we all know, communication is one of the key drivers to working together effectively and productively. So uh, welcome to the show today, Nicole. Hi Beth, good to be here. Fabulous. So communication is a really big subject. There's a lot that that impacts communication. There's a lot that goes into having a productive conversation. Um, What's your interest in understanding how well humans communicate with one another? Hmm. So that is really fueled from two points. From one, from building my own coaching practice, which means you have to communicate the value of what you do to the people that you want to work with essentially and at the same time um, in my corporate job I'm a change manager so also there you'll need to communicate to people in a way why they should learn about a new system why they should use a new process and just you know in that way to to get them on board on the journey but then also as an employee I needed to, co- to learn to communicate my own ideas because I have ideas, but it doesn't mean just because I think it's brilliant that everybody, you know, screams hooray and <laughs> rallies to my cause and, uh, you know, it, I get the funding or I get the time or I get the resources to implement them. And so I find that much of the communication training that we get at work, um, and I'm not saying this is a bad investment, not at all. But it's, it's mainly focused on how to have difficult conversations, how to give feedback, how to do active listening, how to um, yeah, basically do, do a basic stakeholder map, kind of understanding the other person and so on and so on. And this is really, really valuable learning and things and skills that we absolutely need to train and have. But if we stop there, we're missing a huge part, which is so exciting and um yeah also also challenging i must say but uh, when you learn to kind of use words and know what to say and how to say it so that uh, people really engage with what you're trying to do then yeah that's really excellent yeah i find it quite interesting that you you basically turning things on their head here right because the traditional path is to teach those foundational principles of excellent communication, which is exactly what you just listed off, right? It's the listening, it's the understanding who your audience is, you know, those those types of, of modules. And it's actually interesting to me as I've been thinking about our conversation here today around, it's really about thinking about yourself first and 
thinking about your objective with communicating, um, which requires quite a bit of self-awareness, doesn't it, in terms of knowing what, what it is you want to communicate. So could you talk to us a little bit about the, the, the self side of this? Mm, that is a good point. Um, so again, it, it depends on the situation uh, that you have, who you're speaking to. Is it about you? Is it about your project? But you're absolutely right in the same way that we really, really need to understand our audience or who we're speaking to. We need to understand what we want from them. And sometimes it happens that we just want everything and everything in the first instance, you know, with just one conversation. But that, you know, there is there are stages to, um, you know, from somebody who has never heard about whatever you're talking about to somebody who says, yes, I'm in, um, very rarely you can achieve that in just one, in just one communication. And so while the yes, I'm in might be your end goal when you're thinking about what do I want to achieve with this conversation or with this email, um, really think hard. Okay. So am I really there yet? Or given the relationship that we have given that where this person is at in relation to this topic, what is my goal for this very next step? And yeah. And so this is really where the interesting intersection comes in between what is my goal? What obviously, obviously I'm talking to you because I want to convince you, you know, to, um, to follow my lead here and to, and to join me in this. Um, but I can't, I can't stop there. I need to say, okay, how am I relating to this goal and how does this relate to you? And then it's really a back and forth almost, but yeah, so this is, yeah, being really clear. What do I want from this and pick one goal per one communication and not five different ones. So I'm curious then, you know, I understand the, the, the concept that we want to be clear about our goal and the reason why we're, we're communicating. Um, so assuming we've got that in place, what are some of the things that hold us back from actually being able to effectively communicate to convince, to achieve the goal that we've set? Yeah, it's a lot of um, attitude or mindset in that moment where, so I know this, for example, if I'm too excited about my idea, I might, you know, go overboard with my communication and, um, and, and just, you know, like I'm, I don't have the pace that takes people with me. Or if I have a scarcity mindset, you know, if I feel like this is the only chance that I ever have of making that point and, or, or if I go in and say, oh, they probably won't say yes. And that's, that's another point where, or another situation where I observe many people just throwing in all of the information, everything in the kitchen sink, basically to in, in the hope to get it all in and get it all landed. Um, so when we start from either of these points, we just need to really need to check in with ourselves and okay, going back to what do I know about how people hear and listen to and process information, given what I know about that specific person that I'm talking to right now and what my goal is, what is really the minimum of information that I need to give in order to achieve that and then have the discipline and maybe just sit with the feeling of excitement or sit with the feeling of, oh, this is my last chance. Um, but, but stick with the plan that you have and, uh, really 
yeah, do what is right and what is effective in terms of communication and not act from from this emotion that is not the most rational way to act. Often. Yeah, I think that's, that's a key point around the emotional side of, of response, right? Because when you're in a conversation setting and you are not being successful with achieving your objective, um, emotion starts to take over. So maybe talk us through like, mm. what does that look like for people? And the second part of that would be, what can you do about it if you're in that situation? Yeah, um, people react, react very differently. Some have learned to get a handle on this emotion and uh, stick with what they laid out or um, make a pause in the conversation or they just have the flexibility to adapt to whatever is going on. Others, when things are not going the way they have planned, they can become very silent and retract and get frustrated inwardly. And then just think, okay, there seems to be no point here. Why am I still even still talking? I, <laughs> I can't just give up. And another quite prominent response uh, for some people is to um, try and apply sheer force, as in speaking louder, speaking more, speaking more aggressively, starting to talk over people. Um, and again, just in the hope to convince others. But this often, yeah, just leads to you know, you know it, it turns it turns the conversation sour because when uh, the tone gets more aggressive, people people shut down and um, and they're not listening anymore because then something is off on the relationship level and that determines oh so much of how how you know how much of the factual information we're willing to receive and to process is influenced so much by what is going on between me and that other person. So. As leaders, we need to be showing up in, in authentic and, um, you know, vulnerable ways within an organization um, if we are operating in a people-centric way. Um, so let's talk through some of the things that leaders can be thinking about to not only um, have more positive presence themselves when they're communicating, but modeling behavior for people who report into them. So, you know, what can leaders be doing to actually grow a culture where you can have these conversations that are leading to positive outcomes? Yeah, I guess it starts with listening. So, and this is not something that happens overnight or after the first conversation, you may have to have multiple conversations where people notice that you are truly listening and that you are, that you are really making an effort on understanding them and also take action and follow through on the promises that you make. So, and only then people will learn or experience, okay, it, it's okay for me to share those things. And it actually also makes sense and is valuable for me. So that is a, that is a key thing. Now, sometimes you have to tell people what's happening. You have to try and get them on board because when there's a new initiative coming up, you will have to, you know, correct their work if it's not, up to the level that you expect it to be and so on. And here again, it's about being clear. Um, and I must say that uh, Brene Brown, if anybody uh, ever let Dare to Lead, she has really great advice in there. So really being clear, um, being kind. So not tiptoeing around things, not 
I noticed that in the corporate world, like we can often, when we don't feel so comfortable with saying things directly and being direct doesn't mean being harsh. Yeah. But using clear words, sometimes people just, they don't want to tread on anyone's toes. And then all of a sudden we bring in all of this corporate speak. And I get how you sometimes want to do that if you're sending an email to a thousand people or, you know, um, but in a one-to-one -one or one-to-team com communication, see and try if you can get rid of the jargon and just speak like a normal person, like a normal human, human being uh, and avoid all of the bubble wrap and just have a very clear message and tell people how it is. Um, what I really like is to use the technique of contrasting, meaning when you know it's an especially touchy subject for someone to listen to, then you can, then it's really uh, helpful to make clear what this is about and what this is not about. So sometimes I would say things, um, so today in the meeting, I have a solution proposal of what the future process would, will look like. Um, this meeting is meant to share the proposal and get your feedback. This meeting is not meant to make a final decision. And immediately people relax a little bit and uh, open up to, okay, let's just imagine we're not deciding anything today. They're willing to hear my feedback and you have a much more productive conversation instead of um, you know, leaving it up for people to guess of what will come out of this meeting and is this the final word that we have here. So using, using technique, techniques like this um, to just, again, the intention is to be clear and to um, take the guesswork out, uh, out of uh, the conversation. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we all know that there are, s are so many pitfalls to communication to begin with, right? And I, I like what you're saying about just being direct and clear and removing as much of the friction as you can, you know, before the conversation even, even starts, right? Um, so in the past 18 months, many of us have shifted into having conversations in different formats and most notably behind a video screen, right? So mm. um, what do you think that has done to people's ability to convey their ideas and be heard in that setting? That is a very interesting question. Um, on the, so first, I guess, there's an upside and a downside. So two that immediately come to mind. An upside is that people will need to be much more intentional about, okay, like I, I can't, you know, I'm not passing by the person's office today or we're not just bumping into one another. So when can I, um, when is a good moment for me to talk to them? Uh, am I sending, am I sending a, just a, a, a short message? Am I sending an email? Am I inviting them to a meeting? So. I guess at the beginning, especially people had to put in a lot more thought about this. And I hope much of what they have learned from that early experience has stayed. Um, however, what you can also see sometimes is that people try and use the, the path that is easiest for them, especially after such a long time where we're having a face to face conversation, even if it's just via screen. Um, it's just it's just been so so long and it's it's not how we're wired after our years and years of evolution you know we're we're wired to speak to people face to face and because we convey so much with sentence structure with tonality with um 
just seeing facial expressions and so on. So, and it can be, it can be quite an effort to get people on the line uh, because everybody is so busy. Breaks have been, you know, diminished into a non-existence, basically everybody jumping from court. So how can I possibly grab a hold of this person? So why don't I just send an email? Why don't I just send a short message? But with that, you know, we're, we're just writing it down quickly and firing off. And again, we haven't thought about, is this even clear to the person who's reading it? Um, am I sending like a two page email and people say, I'm sorry, is there anything relevant in there for me? And so again, the consideration sometimes goes down and especially in the, in the written word and especially with email, it's actually fascinating. There was, a, I once read a research paper about this, how email is an excellent tool to escalate conflict because, um, because of the way it's constructed, because you have hours and hours that you can, like you can put a whole laundry list of things in an email um, and without giving a person to, or the other person, a chance to respond right away. So when you receive an email, you can mull over it again and again and to really like interpret everything into your every tiny word, which some person has maybe just, They've just been thoughtless about it, but then you read bad intent into it and you get really worked up. And then you, again, you can spend hours constructing your response. And it's just, uh, I have seen, and then, you know, the distribution list gets longer and longer with every reply. And then <laughs> whenever I see these things, I typically say, okay, can somebody just pick up the phone to another person and just talk it out because yeah, I could save I so much time. completely there. agree. And I mean, I've seen that in practice too, as we've moved into more asynchronous communication in the last um, little while here. It's not only about communicating and knowing how to communicate, but it's actually picking the medium of commu communication that is suitable for the type of conversation mm -hmm. that you want to have or the outcome that you're hoping for. Right, and, and we have so much to choose from now, but you have to pick the right one for the right purpose. Um, so do you, do you have any thoughts or, or tips on, on how to go about like optimizing your channel so that you can optimize your communication? Mm. Uh, the more personal it is, the better it is to speak in person. Um, that is one small rule of thumb. And even if you feel uncomfortable, even if it would feel safer, you know, sitting behind the screen and just sending an email, it's never ever the shortest way uh, because so much, you know, the, the, um, the aftermath of this can be just dragging on for so long. So the more personal it is, make it, make it a personal conversation really. And then in terms of, um, so. An email I find is a really good blast if you want to inform multiple people about a good amount of information, but that they just read. Um, for when you really want to resolve something as a team, uh, it's okay to collect information with email, but then set a meeting to discuss it so that you can, you know, ask follow up questions, you can clarify things and you can discuss next steps and even find solutions right away. Um, then if you uh, really want to get traction for your ideas from sharing it for the first time to actually getting it implemented, use different channels. So saying it once is definitely not enough. You may have to repeat that same message six, seven, nine, sixteen 16 times in different ways, shape or form 
So use different channels. So if you know that you have stakeholders across three different departments, um, make sure that they see that same message that you want to land uh, or hear that same message through a one-on-one -on -one conversation, through you presenting in a team meeting, through you making a post on the internal um, uh, you know, social media board that you have. Maybe you can send an email newsletter. Maybe you can select different kind of ways of how you continue to build on your point and build on your point and take them through this journey of understanding from first going from the outside business perspective. Why would we even need this? Then starting to make it a bit more personalized for each and every one of them, depending on what are their goals and interests in their role and function that they have in the company. To then getting more and more concrete, okay, what do we actually want to do? And then now how do we do that? And then what do I want from you? So, yeah, I guess... <laughs> Well, it's it's, it's not it's straightforward, not right? And I mean, it really <laughs> is the, the science of persuasion, ultimately, I think, <laughs> is, is what we're dancing around here, right? And, um, you know, persuasion doesn't have to be a negative thing. Like, I, I yeah. think that as we're all refining our leadership and communication mm -hmm. and, and relating abilities, um, learning how to be more persuasive is a very key skill to have in, in today's workplace. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, and again, we need to be very distinctive here absolutely. between persuasion and being manipulative. And the difference comes with your intent. So you're manipulative if you're, you know, if you're giving out false information or if you're spinning and tampering with the information that you have uh, to, um, you know, convince people of something that is really not in their best interest. However, if you come in with, um, this might sound a bit cheesy, but with a pure heart and with the intention to make things better, you know, with the knowledge that you have at this time and you're really convinced that this is a good idea and we really, really should, then yes, absolutely. Be as persuasive as possible. I think manipulation could easily be cloaked as persuasion. Maybe maybe not the other way around, but um, I think it's it's very important for us to be clear about our motives and to, as you say, approach things with a, you know, a, a full heart or um, a, a kindness about us that we're actually trying to move something forward in a positive way, not for our own self-serving purposes, which um, is also interesting that you talked about putting this in the context of the wider organization, the team, the smaller micro team, and then obviously for you personally, uh, you know, why this is important. So, uh, you know, I think if, if people approach conversations with the view mm -hmm. to satisfying multiple parties, not just themselves, they probably will have greater success in their endeavor. Yeah. It's also a logic of how we, of how we listen to and what we're most motivated by, because the next thing is you never know that person that you have in front of you, what is their conversational style? What is, what, what is the most important information that, you're, that they're looking out for? And so having all of these different elements in your communication, especially if you don't you know, know the other person inside out, it's, um, it just feeds into your success. So first of all, it, it, it makes a check for your own message and for what you're trying to achieve. Like, do I actually have a good reason to push this forward or might this cause a problem, you know, solve, solve something here, but, you know, f uh, cause a problem somewhere else. And then we just need to be mindful of that. And if we still choose to go ahead, then also.
also be open and transparent yeah, about sure. it. That leads us nicely into the final question that I have for you as we um, wrap up here is around the wider context that people are operating in and advocating for ideas and opinions and things that they believe in um, and that they want to move forward. And so what should organizations be doing to create the environment where people can have productive conversations, where they can be free to risk having a silly idea, where they can be supported by their managers? Like what sort of conditions need to be there for these conversations to be happening? It's really, I guess it's the most important thing is how how leaders react in those moments when you share those ideas. If you put your best foot forward and you basically, you're being trashed in a meeting in front of everyone else, or if they don't even address you by name, or if a leader joins, a, you know, a new leader joins a company and the first um, impression that he or she leaves uh, with, with, I don't know, the hundreds of their employees is to just uh, tear someone down and in front of them and you know maybe just to make a point i don't know it's but and then or if you share an idea or if you if you sh if you challenge someone and how how do they react really and maybe for the first time and the second time when they when they're really harsh in their response and they really shut me off and they really because people can get really really mean they still might sound professional but oh it's gets getting so chilly in the room then and you can really feel it and so it's really check in with yourself. So how do you react both to when things are uncomfortable, when you don't like hearing what you hear, when somebody failed to deliver, when somebody has a challenge for you or negative feedback for you. So how do you react in those moments? But also how do you react when people share good news? Do you chime in? Do you take interest in listening to them? Do you keep asking questions to help them um, just like savor that moment and you know so really how do you react to what others share and the sum of these tiny tiny interactions they will make up your culture in the end well thank you Nicole you've really highlighted a few key things that were not for me part of my traditional dimensional framework around thinking about communication and um, I appreciate the the insights so thanks for being here today thanks for having me Beth Thanks for listening to People at Work. If you enjoyed the episode today, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. We'd love to get this material into the ears, hearts, and minds of as many listeners as possible and would really appreciate your help. Until next time.